whether we're talking about the immune system, the digestion, our relationships, our nervous system, we want to take away the fluff and take away the inflammation so that we get their native nervous system the way that they're put together. How is it possible for a parent of a child with autism to become the superhero their child needs now? I'm Len. And I'm Cass. When our son was diagnosed with moderate to severe autism, we went all in. We spent over a decade learning everything we could on how we could transform to help our son thrive. And guess what? He's doing it. This year, he ran for class president. Each week on this podcast, we will be sharing the secrets needed for you to become the superhero your child needs. If you want to learn how to tap into your innate superpowers to help your child thrive, visit AutismParentingSecrets.com. Hello and welcome to Autism Parenting Secrets. Today, our guest is Dr. Sheila Kilbane. She's a board-certified pediatrician who trained in integrative medicine with Andrew Weil, MD, and as a best-selling author, she uses the best of conventional and integrative medicine to identify and treat the root cause of children's illnesses. Anyone who listens to this show knows that we're obsessed with identifying and addressing the root cause. And she does that with the goal of helping children reach their optimal health so they can thrive. So we couldn't be more aligned with Dr. Kilbane's mission. Using her seven-step process, along with natural and nutritional therapies, Dr. Kilbane helps significantly improve or resolve altogether childhood illnesses such as colic, reflux, eczema, ear and sinus infections, asthma, allergies, and GI issues such as abdominal pain. And we know that GI issues especially are an all-too-common issue for children on the spectrum. She has a private practice that's super close to us in Charlotte, North Carolina, and that's how we first discovered her but she gives educational lectures to parents and healthcare professionals around the globe, and she offers online educational courses. So we are super excited to have her on as a guest, and the focus is going to be on systemic inflammation, with the secret being less inflammation, more progress. Welcome, Dr. Kilbane. Thank you. I am really excited to be here, and all of you listeners, you have two incredible resources here with Cass and Len, even when I worked with you, your knowledge that you brought to the table was incredible. And the the compassion and the way that you're able to execute things, it's really phenomenal. I loved working with you all. And I love that you're spreading this forward now. And this is a really great service for other families. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank Thank you. you. And congratulations on your new book. I mean, I love it healthy kids, happy moms, like amazing. So I know we'll talk about this some, but I just also have to call out your mission. I'd love Len's mission is to make this journey easier for parents. My whole mission is let's heal this generation of kids. And so when I looked at your mission, right, a voice for children, an ear for parents, a resource for other healthcare practitioners, and to help 1 million children get off meds they may not need if they're eating food that's right for their systems. And that is so important. Like the right food, food is foundation. Absolutely. And that's what, as we were talking before we got started, there's so much confusion out there. And with Dr. Google at our fingertips, a parent can go down the Dr. Google rabbit hole really easily. Oh my gosh, I've got to take Johnny off of all grains. I've got to do all paleo, or I've got to do all vegan. And what I love to do with families is just say, let's back up and let's look at that overview, look at the bigger picture. 
and do one thing at a time and take small steps so that it's doable. And we know that when we take small steps, change is easier and it's more likely that you're going to continue doing it versus trying to change everything all at one time. Right. So that's the kind of the A number one is if it creates more stress in your household, that's going to create inflammation. So we have to take a step back and say, okay, what can we do first of all? And before we get into food, the way that I always lay out inflammation is that we have, right? Inflammation is illness. And if we're going to start to make headway with it, we need to understand what the triggers of inflammation are. And so we always, we all have our genetics and then we've got five main triggers of inflammation, or at least this is the way that I talk about it. So we've got food, environmental allergies, environmental toxins, infectious diseases, and stress. And they all can contribute equally. And we're never going to be perfect in any one area. So it's about doing the best you can with each area. And since we have a lot of control over our food, or at least when they're in your household, we have more control over food. That's where we start there, especially if you're listening and you're just stepping onto this journey, this is an easy place to start. Does that make sense? For me, it totally makes sense. And especially when you look at the statistics with now 54% of kids will be diagnosed with a chronic illness. That alone, I know for us, for our son, he was diagnosed with three things before he was even two. So it's like, it was absolutely part of our journey and probably part of so many of the parents listening journey. And food is that foundational first step making better decisions of what goes in your child's mouth is such an important piece, but also setting that parent up for success. Yes. Yes. That's, I think is one of the biggest, because I think in this culture, we have really perfected the art of negative self-talk and anything that we can do to be a part of improving that I think is going to help the kids' health because we all know that the parents are the predominant energy. They set the tone for the home. And so when we can start there by saying, look, you are doing the best you can, that's what we all are doing and kind of take a leap from there. It just can help. If we can help the parents' nervous system calm down a little bit, that's going to help the kids' nervous systems calm down. And I also want to make sure that people understand that in medical school and residency, at least when I trained, we did not get nutrition training. So it's kind of confusing, I think, for parents because you go online and you read all of this stuff about nutrition and maybe gluten and dairy, but then you go to your pediatrician's office and you might hear a different spin or you might not hear anything about it. And that's the reason is we just don't get trained in it. When I'm sending families to a specialist or whether it's a surgeon or a kidney doctor, is I prepare them about what to expect from that particular physician, because what is their training? Why are we going to see them? So that's when you're looking, when you really are looking for nutrition information for your child, you want to work with somebody who has studied nutrition in this way. I like to start off with that also, because it's when I first got out of residency and I was seeing these kids with colic and reflux and recurrent ear and sinus infections and allergies and abdominal pain and constipation. And I just listened to parents and the moms would say, you know, Sheila, I took 
dairy out of Johnny's diet and his eczema improved. And so I'd say, well, I don't know why that is, but keep it out of his diet and I'll figure out what we're going to do when he turns one and we've got to supposed to start him on dairy. And so then I would call my friends who were naturopathic doctors and I would figure out, okay, what are we going to feed him? Then I started to get more and more proactive about it and taking dairy out of kids' diets and seeing a lot of these chronic illnesses that I just went through just melt away, either melt away or improve significantly. And I thought this had to be a fluke. And so I was kind of quiet about it, but then it kept happening and happening, you know, and then go on. And I did the integrative medicine fellowship with Andrew Weil and realized how much research there is out there. So I know you have a a very educated audience, but I think that's important to know and to know what to expect from your pediatrician or from your neurologist if they're conventionally trained. Well, and especially for parents after they get their child's diagnosis, I remember where I was just diagnosed and we would see different experts and we would see GI doctors, we would see neurologists, we would see everyone. And we would mention we gave up gluten and dairy and we would get the eye roll like, yeah, good luck with that. You're crazy. And hey, we're 13 in now and we still are gluten and dairy free. One is we all feel better in our bodies, but two, it's like, Yeah, it did make a difference. And that's where even if your doctors give you eye rolls, but you know in your heart that you're willing to try it, like absolutely. And for what you're saying, and also the resources in your book of examples of when kids give up dairy, that can be huge for so many people with especially eczema and also asthma and breathing issues are huge with dairy. Absolutely. And it's because dairy contributes to that systemic inflammation by decreasing that systemic inflammation. So inflammation is our body is sending white blood cells to areas. If you sprain an ankle and our body's going to send white blood cells to that area to heal the tissue. And it takes a good three to six months, right? For your ankle joint to feel like your ankle joint again. When I talk to families, depending upon what the issue or the illnesses with the kids, sometimes it may be that we just really need to get serious for three to six months, decrease that systemic inflammation. And then some kids can go back on those foods, generally not in the way that they were eating them previously, but they might be able to do it at birthday parties or things like that. And that's why in the book, I write about the food roadmap and the supplement roadmap and the cumulative inflammation roadmap so that we can get it in so that it's really understandable and so that it's a step-by-step because we don't want to take that leap to removing dairy if they're still having sodas and Skittles and, you know, if they're still doing the artificial dyes and colors and a lot of the sugar drinks, let's just start there. And like the number one thing I love to do is just change breakfast. If the kids are having a bowl of cereal and milk, which is two big loads of carbohydrates because the cereal is might be sugary. It's going to have a lot of carbs in it. And then the milk, a cup of milk has about half as much sugar as a cup of soda. The lactose in milk is a sugar. It's a natural sugar, yes, but it's still a sugar. And so if we cut that off and we do maybe a green smoothie, we can get a lot of fruits in there. We can do some greens in it. And we can maybe do some chia seed, flaxseed, hemp seed. So we're going to get some omega-3 fats. We're going to get some fiber. We're going to get a little bit of protein. You're going to get protein from the vegetables. 
And maybe you do that and you do a whole grain piece of toast if they tolerate grains and some nut butter or avocado toast or an egg if they tolerate eggs. So that is going to sustain the kids until lunchtime. And then you eat what you're eating the rest of the time and just change breakfast. And then you can move on after that and we can make the other changes. But I started off and I start with what I call a, a mini cleanse for kids. And it's not- I want to hear I, this. I, know, I, I, lo- I, I loved it. I'm actually day six of a juice cleanse right now. So oh, wow. <laughs> Very good. Water, but I'm like, oh, this time I'm doing juice. But I love the concept of this mini cleanse because I think it shows parents a way to do it in baby steps. Yes. And it's funny because I put a lot of information out online just for parents to utilize. And we put this mini cleanse together a couple of years ago and people went gaga over it because it was one simple thing at a time. And so the first thing that we do, it's the sugary drinks. So if they're doing, and I consider juice a sugary drink, and we've kind of been brainwashed to think that a cup of orange juice or apple juice is actually a serving of fruit. And really a cup of juice has almost the same amount of sugar as a cup of soda. So we're now looking at two of the big things that we're supposed to be giving kids, milk and orange juice. And that's a lot of sugar right there. So the first thing we do is we're going to cut out the sugary drinks and we're going to do filtered water if you can. Then the second day, you could either do one week for each of these, or you could do a month or you could do one day. So we cut out the sugary drinks and the same is going to go for the sport drinks, whether it's vitamin water and a good way to look at. So four grams of sugar equals one teaspoon. So if you look at the back of a drink, and especially if you look at some of those sport drinks, they might have in one bottle, it might have two or three servings. And so you've got to take the serving size and multiply it by the number of servings. And I always give the example of an organic coconut vanilla yogurt. It has about 24 grams of sugar, which ends up being six teaspoons of sugar. So right there, we know, okay, that's not dairy. And it seems like it's a healthy choice, but that's a lot of sugar. And the amount of sugar that's in about two sodas this big, so a hundred grams of sugar suppresses the immune system up to five hours. So, and especially if your child is having recurrent, is, has been on recurrent antibiotics, just by pulling the sugar away, it's like you're taking a boot off the immune system. And all of a sudden the immune system is going to go, oh, okay, now I'm able to, again, work more effectively and efficiently. So then the second thing we do on the mini cleanse is just take out artificial dyes and colors. And you've got to really look at things you need to, and don't, it, medications and supplements will have artificial dyes and colors also. Don't stop your medications, just talk to your doctors. Or if you need that medication, just pull the rest of the, you know, you pull the dyes out of the rest of the food so that maybe that just the medication is what they're going to get it in. Could you also just check for, cause I know like Benadryl, right? That's something we always have to have on hand because of food allergies. Yes. They do make dye-free versions. So maybe if your child is taking medicine, there might be options, even compounding pharmacies as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do that in my practice. We compound most of the time. If a child needs a medication, we will get it compounded, which means it's a specialty pharmacy that just takes the active part of the ingredient, right? And makes it without the fillers and the colors and things in it. So just paying attention. And 
With supplements also, you've really, the companies are getting better now. But since 2010 in the UK, they have had to have labeling on packages that says if there's an artificial dye in the food product, that it can cause behavior changes. Since 2010, and we're now, you know, and so they, the companies had to remove all of that from their products in a lot of the European countries, but they didn't have to do it for the U.S. They're starting to do it now, and, but, but you still want to be careful and you want to look. So that's day number two. And then day number three, we start to talk about decreasing packaged snacks. So instead of a, you know, if you're going to open maybe some kind of a bar or something like that, could we do a piece of fruit? Could we do, if there are no allergies in the household, could you do some nuts or could you do a hard boiled egg? Could you do some, you know, have a baked chicken in the refrigerator that you just pull off and they just have a little bit of the chicken that way. And then day four is refined sugar. So that's where we're going to start to look at the cookies and pastries and things like that. And then day five, we're going to look at processed meats. So hot dogs seem to be the go-to in our culture, which they're so yummy, right? If you like hot dogs, we want to really though cut back on those processed meats, deli meats. You know, if you're going to do them, definitely try and do organic, do nitrate free. And then the processed fats will be day number six. And those are going to be when we're eating snack foods or when we're eating French fries from fast food restaurants, burgers, anything like that, anytime we eat out at a restaurant, the food is going to be cooked in fats that are pro-inflammatory. And we've gotten to the point where we're supposed to have a certain ratio of the good healthy fats to the more inflammatory fats. And it's I'll just say the neutral or anti-inflammatory fats, which are the omega-3s, to the omega-6s and 9s, which are more pro-inflammatory. We need both, but we eat way too many of the omega-6s and 9s. So just by decreasing that, we're going to improve our cell wall. And when we've got a really healthy cell wall, we're going to get better nutrient exchange within a cell. We're going to get better cell communication. And especially if your child is having challenges with eye contact, articulation of their speech, communication, we want the healthiest cell walls possible. And then day seven, you get to rest. And my suggestion on day seven is to decrease screen time, go outside as a family, be barefooted, run around, soak up some sun. And once you get that, start to do those things and make that. So that's more of the norm for your family. And then you can move on and start to talk about dairy and gluten and the other things. Does that? Right. that? That all makes sense. And I would imagine even after just one week of making those pretty straightforward, simple changes, maybe not always easy, but if a parent actually did that for a week, I would imagine in one week, you would actually start to see something tangible that's different just from those measures alone, right? I mean, you're saying to do all that, that sets you up to continue to keep going, but I would imagine the feedback you've been getting from people is that they probably see changes pretty quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, I'm sure that you've heard of these as the kids, even just the step of taking out the artificial dyes and colors. I had one patient, it was around 2011, and this was the first time this was really coming into my awareness. And he would have, when he would have caramel color or blue dye, he would either flap his hands or he would sniff his fingers. 
And the mom figured it out before she came to see me. And I just thought, wow, that's, I need to pay attention to this now. And then come to figure out, you know, and understand more of the research and what was happening later. And this absolutely makes a difference. And one of the ways you start to, I talk in the book a lot about doing that visual assessment of your child. Do they have those dark circles under their eyes? Do they have that chronic runny nose? Are they mouth breathers? Are they snoring? Like, do you just look at them during the day and their mouth is hanging open? Do they sound like that, you know, kind of that Darth Vader breathing, as I call it, or auto, you know, you shouldn't hear the person next to you breathing, really. And do they have bumps on the back of their arms, on their cheeks, on their thighs? Those are the things that we're going to start to look at. And I like, I have a symptom tracker in the book. So you actually go in and you rank it so that in each week, as you're pulling things out, or maybe you do it at the end of the month, you give a a number to each of the symptoms so that we can actually see, it's hard to remember. I like you to take a picture of the kids straight on from their face in the same light, you know, each week so that you can see the differences. And it's really remarkable. And that's you know, it was a child on the spectrum who was the first time that I really saw this wake up and this brightness that came back to their eyes when we changed their diet. Once you see that in one child, you can't go back. But the way that I look at it is we're putting our kids in this little cocoon of inflammation and fog when they're eating the food that's not right for their system. And it again, it doesn't mean everybody has to be off gluten and dairy. It just means we've got to figure out what foods work with their system. And it will be different for most kids. I do love in your book that you had nine foods that were like 90% of the problems. Yes. So I lay everything out in the book. You know, we get messages from all over the globe because there just aren't that many pediatricians trained in integrative medicine. So I wanted everything super clear. And when it comes to food allergies and food sensitivities, there are 11 foods that cause 90% of the issues. It doesn't mean that all of those foods are unhealthy, and it doesn't mean you have to take all of those out of your kid's diet. It just means that if you're going down this path, these are the ones to be aware of. And it's, you know, it's the biggies. So it's dairy, eggs, wheat, corn, tree nuts, peanuts, fish, shellfish, citrus, sesame, and soy. 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 Yeah. Soy is much more up at the top. You know, and the citrus and sesame are way down at the bottom, much smaller percentage. But those are kind of the biggies. And so the way I lay it out in the book is we do the mini cleanse. And then if the symptoms have resolved, awesome. You know, just stick there. Just try to keep your baseline really healthy. If the kids are still having symptoms, then you move on and you start to remove dairy. Yep. And then after that was gluten. And after that was gluten. Mm -hmm. And with the dairy and the gluten, I do it, you know, we do it gradually because as you two know, the kids can get a lot more irritable if we pull the dairy and the gluten all at once. And they literally get a withdrawal type effect. And it's, you'll be cursing my name if you do it all at once. And I learned that the hard way, unfortunately. But I also think it's nice for the parent from a nervous system perspective. And removing dairy, usually you see the gains pretty quickly from a dairy removal versus gluten sometimes takes longer. So for them to kind of go with these base as relates to really inflammatory ingredients like these refined oils, and then going into dairy and then going into something that might feel 
harder in the parent's nervous system. And the nice thing is, as you've set that foundation, going gluten-free isn't just about buying the packaged stuff because you've already removed some of those ingredients in the package gluten-free. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting because I did this whole thing myself and I did it all of the, and initially that was what I did with my own N of one is I just started eating a bunch of the gluten-free junk food. And then you realize, all right, I can't be eating all this corn. I can't, you know, you just, you've got to go to real food, but you also give yourself that grace at the beginning is that if you need to just swap out regular cookies for some gluten-free junk cookies, just do that. And then once you're on a better trajectory and you kind of have your bearings of what you're going to do, then you can start to pull that. And the thing too, Cass, that I will say about the gluten or dairy there, in my experience, the kids usually or individuals often one or the other makes a bigger difference. Dairy isn't always the one that makes the big difference. And I have, there's a a photo that I have in the book at the beginning of section two. So the way that I lay the book out, it's kind of like three books in one. The first 10 chapters are the, that's the science. And then the second section is the how-to. And then the third section are the recipes. But at the beginning of section two, I have a photo in it. It's a before and after photo of one of my patients who'd had ticks, And he had had ticks so bad that he pulled a muscle in his neck. We took dairy out and it actually didn't make a difference. And so then we pulled the gluten out, his ticks decreased by 80%. So with him, he was a good example that that's why we do it one at a time because we wouldn't have known that, that gluten was the bigger trigger. And so he still doesn't do a ton of dairy, but we know that he can do a little bit more dairy than he can. He really, you know, if he starts to do more gluten, then he, he can run into some challenges with how he's feeling. Right. No. And I love how the citrus that you actually called out, you specifically called out citric acid too, in the book with the, that nice chart that you have the photo, because I think the power of the parent turning over a product that they're purchasing and actually reading an ingredient, you know, cause it's marketing companies do an amazing job with that front label, that real estate that reels you in. But the power truly comes when that parent turns over that and reads that ingredient list. And with you having called out those 11 foods that are really the most problematic for not everyone, but for some, like that gives them power. And citric acid is in so many things. So many things. Yes. And when we are decreasing our packaged foods, our bodies, even if they're sensitive to it a little bit, we might be able to tolerate it if it's only in a couple of things. And it's for a lot of my patients, supplements are a big part of the healing journey. And there are no perfect supplements, right? We've got to have something to help them stay on the shelf and all that kind of thing. So we pick the absolute best ones that we can. And then we want to make sure that the kids are able to benefit from the supplements and not react, whether it's a food ingredient, a supplement, or, you know, whatever it is. And have you all talked about glutamate on the show? We did. We had Andy on, Andy Stowe. Oh, so we did, we've talked about glutamate and we know, and that can be, especially for kids with autism, that can be huge. Like I know for rye, we had been tantrum three for what, five years. We made homemade bread where everything was vetted, gluten-free yeast, whatever the one to use. And we had two tantrums in one day. So our son, food is so important for him. 
but it can be. And so that's where being mindful and, you know, knowing citric acid is a source of glutamate, like just really paying attention. And I think what you've laid out gives such foundational skills for most people. And if you have a super sensitive kid, you might have to go deeper, like we've had to do for our child, but you know, everyone's path's a little bit different, but you've really given that foundation. Yes. With glutamate, when I met Andy, that's where she started doing some consults with Katie Reed, who's this wonderful biochemist out in California. So I learned about it once again from a family. I just think it's really important for us as practitioners to listen to what the parents are telling us that has helped. Then we proceed with the good scientific inquiry and an N of one is an N of one. And we've got to look at it. Can we do bigger numbers? Can we do studies? You know, and the challenge is doing the studies with these foods because who's going to pay to do an elimination diet where there's not a medication that is backing it or even a supplement company or the NIH is doing a pretty good job, I think, at helping, you know, and they're They are doing studies and they have an integrative wing. We just need to continue to do more studies on all of this and on nutrition. The other piece in your book that I love that connects that into the nutrition was the different food pyramids or food plate charts that you have in there because it's really interesting. So in 2010, I went back and got certified as a holistic health coach from Institute of Integrative Nutrition just to help Rye thrive. And it was really interesting. What they shared there was very different than what the standard plate is or standard pyramid is. And you had great visuals in your book too, showing those differences, you know, instead of having the glass of what the Harvard chart, I loved it because it had, instead of milk, it had a glass of water with the meal. Yeah. And that's so funny. You you talk about that because the Harvard plate at the last minute, because I had been messaging because we had to get permission to use those because you could use the other ones were on the NIH. And it was when you really go back and look at, so the first off with the, you know, with the older food pyramids, you know, nine to 11 servings of grains per day. If most of us ate that, we would be bloated and weighed down and foggy and all the things. And then with Harvard, we got the permission for that at the last, even it was after they told me the deadline was up, but I was like, please, can you get this in? Because I think it's so important. And that's because the dairy issue is such a big one. And I have an entire chapter on dairy. I had to cut it down. I could have written a whole book on dairy and there are books written on dairy. So I've got everything laid out. How are the kids going to have healthy bones if they're not doing dairy? So it's about, we have equated healthy bones to dairy. But the thing that we want to equate is how do we create healthy bones and what do we need? And we need four main things for healthy bones. And the number one is physical activity. So get the kids outside running around, you know, whether you're young, whether you're adult. And the second we do need adequate amounts of calcium and there are ways to get calcium in a dairy is one way, but there are other ways and have a whole chart. I One Saturday, I kind of, it was definitely an obsessive day where I listed out all the foods, everything so that parents could look at it at a glance. And then the third thing we need is vitamin K. And that's what you get from green leafy vegetables. And then the fourth thing is adequate amounts of vitamin D because vitamin D is going to help us absorb calcium from our gut. And So keeping that in mind, and when you look, I really went back and I combed through the marketing and I put 
down the different years in some of the marketing campaigns, right? Got milk and they're very, very effective. And it just, when you, you compare the science versus the marketing, the science just doesn't uphold what the marketing has told us. Right. So, and I love, there are some amazing people at Harvard. Walter Willett has written some incredible, I read so many of his papers as I was writing the book. And when you look at the really big names in science and in the nutrition world, Walter Willett, David Katz, David Katz wrote the forward to the book. There's a lot of research and a lot of people doing the research who support the fact that you can have healthy, you know, I'm not putting words in their mouths, but their people are questioning, do we really need dairy the way that we think we do? And there's another great book called Don't Drink Your Milk by Dr. Oski. He's the one who wrote the pediatric textbooks. And he was also at that point in time saying that. Well, I remember reading what the China study too. And the China study is another one that was just like, whoa, when you start to look at as it relates to the relationship between what casein and tumor growth. So it was just, yes, yeah, absolutely. There are great resources. No, but I loved that you had that chapter and I love that you did that comparison because I think parents are like, oh no, I have to do the food pyramid. And it's like, or they're so conditioned and you know, let's be honest, food is so different ingredient lists compared today versus what they were even 10, 15 years ago. And even if you pick up, I love one of the things I do is I have something I do every year called the Healing Kitchen Boot Camp, kind of oh. em- about empowering parents with food. And especially as a mom of a former picky eater and one with so many allergies, like swaps and all of that are second nature to me. And I love empowering parents to do the same but I do ingredient comparison. So even if your kid likes hot dogs, let's just say you're eating one brand now, odds are you can find a cleaner brand. Like you can make swaps within that same food group to get your picky eater on their way to being nourished in a better way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I always find with picky eaters, it's we don't focus on the picky eating initially because what we do is we work to get their systems a little bit more in balance. And we let some of the supplements do the work. Maybe they need some extra zinc, right? Maybe they need some extra magnesium so that their bowel movements are better. And when they start to feel a little bit better, I have found that naturally and a little bit more organically, the taste buds start to expand. And then little by little, their little bodies will start to accept some other foods that maybe they wouldn't previously. Dr. Kilbane has amazing workshops that she offers for parents. So one of the workshops I did was this horse experience where I went for a day and you kind of learned how to greet a horse. You got to take a horse for a walk without, basically it's just your hands and your body. And that was it, that experience. And I've learned it through Sunrise and some others through our journey, but creating safety for our kids is really important. And so creating safety with food for our kids is important too. So if you have a picky eater, not to judge it, just to acknowledge where they are, support yeah. them as you know, Dr. Kilbane was just talking about, maybe they need zinc, maybe they need magnesium when they feel better in their body, but also the stress the parent might put on their, my God, my kid's picky, that stress your kid's feeling too. So just to be kind of calm about whatever it is. And be able to create that safety with your child so they feel good about what they're eating is so important too. A hundred percent. Because you all did, you jumped in and did everything. And, you know, we're talking about with 
the horse workshop. And then with another friend of mine, Kristen Oliver, who talks about kids feel what we feel, not what we say, and we'll hear what we say also. But I mean, I've had families where the mom will say, oh, he is not going to drink almond milk or oat milk or whatever it is. And then Kristen would walk them through. And we, this was one of the workshops. She walked them on through an exercise and said, would you be willing to just offer the alternative without any expectation? It's okay if he doesn't drink any of it. That's not on you. That's not your fault if he doesn't drink it. And the mom came back two weeks later and she's like, he drank it completely fine. So it's, we put a lot of expectations on ourselves, but, and on our kids unconsciously often. And so when we pull that away and it's liberating in relationships, right? If our spouse comes home and we're expecting X, Y, and Z, they can't read our minds and neither can our kids. And so that's where what you all are doing is I always say, because often with these podcasts, people will say, okay, what is the biggest one piece of advice at the end of it? And I always say, it's the cliche, but putting your own oxygen mask on first and recognizing how profoundly we affect one another, whether it's our kids, whether it's our coworkers. And it's so important that we were these energetic beings. And if you put an EKG on someone, put the electrodes on your heart, you get an electrical readout. If you put electrodes on your brain, you get an electrical readout. And we impact one another quite profoundly. And so that's where I I love what you are doing, because I think when you talk about the synergy, optimizing things, and that's always the way that I look at it. And whether we're talking about the immune system, the digestion, our relationships, our nervous system, we want to take away the fluff and take away the inflammation so that we get their native nervous system the way that they're put together. Yeah, no, it's all about the body's innate ability to function. And it's just about getting, removing whatever might be in the way. And food is such a big piece of that, as well as just there's a lot of mindset, beliefs, all these things that can kind of really just make a situation much harder and to just tax the body. And there's just so much you can do. And your book covers so many of those aspects that really are within a parent's control to do a lot about. And it's amazingly empowering if they're given the right information and the right guidance. And your book really seems like it's provided a pretty simple roadmap for people to follow. And that's powerful. Well, thank you. And that was the goal. And it has been so much fun to be able to say, because even like when you all started your journey, to be able to have this book to hand to grandparents or to hand to another caretaker, a nanny, a babysitter, a teacher, that was always one of my goals is I wanted everything in one spot. And that's why I was so happy as we were going through the process and the, the visuals turned out so well. And halfway through the process, the publisher said, you know, Sheila, we want to make this full color, which is a big decision for a publisher because it's a lot more expensive to print them. And I'm so happy that they decided to do that because it just, I think it's really easy and you can just, you can use it as a reference and go back. And then also one of my favorite chapters of the book is chapter nine. It's called curing versus healing because we don't always have, not every child is, gets 100% cured in the way that we think about cured. You know, they might still have a little bit of asthma. They may still be on the autism spectrum. They may still have a little bit of a fine motor delay. But are we able to get to that point where 
we understand that that's 100% perfection for them and get everyone to the place where their system is, is working optimally and then your family unit is working optimally. That's one of my favorite chapters because I think we always have to keep that in mind. Yeah, and I think it just helps set realistic goals for people. And also, you know, and it's how do you create kind of an equilibrium to get healthy again? You know, so it's all about how do you create that balance for your child? And by these steps that you've laid out for parents, you're able to really help set them up for success to do that. That was the goal. So thank you. I appreciate it. And it's doable. That's the thing is that it's so doable. And that's why we start with the mini cleanse. And maybe you don't even have to go off on from there. You know, maybe that's enough for your family. It can help the whole family. And we see parents feel, I've had parents who go off their reflex medications. They go off their migraine medications. They start jogging again. They start to feel, it's just life is so much better when you physically feel good. And you bring up a great point though, too, because I'm like, for a family to do this together with their child, there's going to be so much more power there as well. Yes. And it's because I don't think it's fair to ask anybody in the household, adult or child, to not eat something that's in the house. And it's just too hard. And then it's powerful if the kids see mom and dad doing it with them. How empowering is that? And how much does that show that child that they are important enough for the family to take these steps together to do that? I was diagnosed in 2008. And I remember a month after his diagnosis, I said to Len, I'm like, and we were living in an Italian section of Brooklyn with homemade bread and homemade cheese around the corner. And I was like, we need to do this for him, but we're going to join him. Because if you think about it, food connects all of us. So a family to be able to sit at a table together and to kind of share a meal, there's so much power there. And especially if you have a child with a diagnosis like autism, which is all about disconnection, the ability to create connection for your children with something like food can really, really help set that foundation for what is possible for the child. Yes, absolutely. That is what it's all about. And I think when you start to do those changes, I mean, you two have changed your lives, right? You completely have a different life than what you previously. Totally unrecognizable. Yeah, no, it's a totally different existence. And the key echoing what you're talking about with not having these unhelpful foods in the house to begin with and everyone to change together, it comes under the category that the most important things you can do are they're never convenient. So giving up gluten or dairy or any of your favorites, that that is not easy, but at least in our example, and I think for a lot of parents, it's incredibly important to get aligned, to set up that environment for success for your child. And that means giving certain things up. That's a small price to pay. If it's something that's really important, that's going to help fuel progress. And I agree with what you said, Dr. Kilbane. It's not about perfection. It's not about things going totally away. They may or may not. But the idea is, what can you just continually do to help your child continue to make progress for that body to operate as it's intended to operate better? And that's all we can all do for ourselves is just continually go for constant progress. And if you set up some kind of target and a goal of perfection, that only leads to misery. Yeah. And that's why, right? Because grandma is inevitably going to give them a cookie, (laughs) even when you asked a hundred times not to do it. And it's, 
nobody's doing it maliciously and you just do the best that you can. Wonderful. Well, hey, it's been a fantastic discussion. We've covered so much ground. I mean, the concept of a mini cleanse for kids, I absolutely, I love that. Inflammatory foods and knowing what those offenders are, the list goes on and on. So thank you for having this discussion. I know our listeners are going to be really well served by your guidance and love your book, Healthy Kids, Happy Moms, Seven Steps to Heal and Prevent Common Childhood Illnesses, a great foundational resource. So uh, thank you for putting that out there. And really appreciate you taking the time to talk to Cass and I today. Thank you. I love this. Thank you. I appreciate what you're doing and for having me on. Want to learn how to avoid the 33 mistakes most autism parents make? Get your free training today. Visit autismparentingsecrets.com slash unstoppable.